Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome to Authentic Church. We're in the middle of a series that we kicked off this year titled Visioneering, and it's really about uh, engineering our lives around God-sized vision. So God is doing something all over the world, all over the earth, and you'll see greater success and blessing in your life when you just join with what he's doing. A lot of people try to fit God into what they're doing when God's like, I got this, I'm doing something, why don't you just come alongside what I'm doing and you'll see incredible blessings in your life. And don't get me wrong, God can accomplish his vision without you, but he'd rather do it with you. And, and he wants to par- us to partner with him. And so that's what, that's what we're doing. And uh, the word of the Lord for our church this year is redeem. And I believe God is redeeming people. He's redeeming families. He's redeeming physical places. He's redeeming uh, churches. He's redeeming shopping malls. He's, re- he's redeeming campuses. He's redeeming homes. And so we're leaning into that thought today. And uh, we're going to take a look in Genesis 39. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to kind of camp out there for most of the sermon, and then I'm going to kind of jump around and share some other thoughts. Um, But we're taking a look at pulling some truths out of the life of Joseph. And uh, 1 Corinthians 10.6 actually tells us that there's types and shadows in the Word. So when when we read this story out of Genesis, we're seeing types and shadows. And in the book of James, James said, hey, the testing of your faith, it's a good thing, that it develops perseverance. When your faith is tested, perseverance develops. Another way to say that is your faith will be tested before it's rewarded. Sometimes we don't like the test, we just want to get the reward, but if you're going to receive a dream from God and see that dream become a destiny, that dream is going to be tested. You're, 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 some people would say your, your metal's going to be tested, right? Test your metal, test the strength. There's a test that happens there. And so we're leaning into that thought is, Lord, what area of the test might I be on? And the good news with God is that he's, he's not a pass or fail God. He just simply allows you to take that test again. Even if you've blown it a million times and you're lapping the mountain one more time, he's saying, it's okay, we're gonna take that test again, all right? And so in, 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 in uh, the story of Joseph, uh, Joseph, just to give you a quick recap, if you're, if you're not familiar with who this guy Joseph is, he lived a few thousand years ago and uh, you might have heard of Abraham, Isaac, Isaac had Jacob. Jacob has his name changed to Israel, where we get the nation of Israel to this day. Israel had a few sons. One of his youngest sons was a young man named Joseph. And he got the nickname Joseph the Dreamer because he would have these dreams from God, and God was giving him a picture of the future, but rather than taking that dream, hiding it in his heart, he began to kind of brag about it. And he kind of became the cock with the walk. And he's telling his brothers, hey, look how cool I am. Y'all are gonna be bowing down to me. And then he tells them that a few times, and they're like, we hate him. We can't stand him. Not only is he the favorite uh, son, because he's the youngest, he's the baby. The babies always seem to be the favorite. And so he was the baby. He, not only was he the favorite, but he was bragging about it. And then early on in his life, we hear about him telling on his brothers, the tattletale. So his dad tells him, he says, hey, son, I want you to go and, and, and go find your brothers. Check in on them. They're, they're, they're uh, out 
in, the, in, in pasturing with their, with their flocks. And, and when I read, read that, I thought, why wasn't Jacob out with the flocks, with his brothers who were watching over them? Why wasn't he out there working? They're all out there working, and he's not. There was animosity that had built up to the point of such great friend, great friend uh, frustration with his brothers that they just didn't want to be around him. So Jacob, uh, Jacob, or Joseph, excuse me, there's so many J's and Jehoshaphats and Jeffs and all these guys, all these good biblical names. So Joseph goes and finds his brothers and they see him coming and they're like, there he is, let's kill him. I mean, you gotta really hate your brother when you're like, we're gonna kill that guy. So they're like, we're gonna kill him. And then Reuben, the oldest brother, brings peace and he's like, dudes, we're not gonna kill him, everybody calm down. Why don't we just throw him in a pit, make some money off of him? Let's do that instead. And so for whatever reason, that seemed like a good idea. They're like, yeah, that makes sense. We don't want to kill him. We'll just throw him in the pit. So Joseph hits the first two tests of any dream or vision, and that's the pride test. And then he hit the pit test. And the purpose of the pride test is work pride out of your heart so that your motivation is right and not wrong. If you have the wrong motivation and pride takes over, then what you are will only be magnified when God gives you more. That's why God will have you lap that mountain one more time because he has such a, a desire to see you blessed and to see your blessing be a blessing to other people. He doesn't wanna rob you or them of that, so he'll say, I'm good at waiting until you get what I'm doing. And so Joseph had to overcome the pride that was in his heart, then he found himself in a pit and the pit test is simply, man, that's a place where you cry out to God. That's where you put down the shovel, because sometimes we, we, we dig ourselves into a pit, right? You put down the shovel and say, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm giving up, God. No more me. I'm just going to give it to you. Anybody ever found themselves in a pit? <laughs> and God's like, put down the shovel, son. Put down the shovel. If you're in an argument with your spouse, shut your mouth. Put down the shovel before it gets worse, right? We just had a date night last night with a lot of the couples that were, how many couples were here for the date night? I see some of you. I see them. I see them. It was a good time. One of my favorite moments of the date night was, was uh, watching Min and Hannah and in the kiss-off. It was the best. We, we, play, we, played, a, we played a fun game where uh, where, where the women had to put lipstick on and, and it was, they had 20 seconds and we had to see the most kisses on the face of their husband. And uh, man, Hannah just, man, she just went after it. So so if you see men smiling right now, that's why. <laughs> it was either that or Joe's amazing uh, a rap that he did with the, you know, anyways. <laughs> the Puma. <laughs> you had to be there. You can come next year. It was for engaged and married couples. We talk about married couple things. So getting out of the pit test, sometimes it's just putting down the shovel. And if pride's in your heart, it's really a telltale sign that there's insecurity in your soul. And so when somebody's got pride in their heart, it really just shows because there's insecurity there in their soul. God wants to heal that. Uh, and I'd encourage you, a few weeks ago, uh, Nicole Edgman shared an incredible message on identity. If you missed that, if you haven't watched that, you can go watch that on the YouTube channel. It was incredible. And it's really a baseline foundational teaching for knowing who you are in God and then doing all the things. Too many people, we put the cart in front of the horse. It's like, we want to do, 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 and we forget who we are. And then when we do, 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 suddenly we find our identity and all the stuff that we were doing rather than who God said we were, right? 
and you can get off. So here's Joseph. Joseph gets thrown into the pit, and uh, his brothers don't kill him. Uh, instead, they make some sweet moolah off of him, and they sell him to some Midianite traders. Now, the Midianite traders, they, they get sell, sold to, interestingly enough, they're actually descendants of Ishmael. Going back to Abraham, you remember there's Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, and now Joseph, okay? Isaac was the chosen son, but he was not the first son. Abraham received a promise from God, and rather than waiting on the time of, timing of God, Abraham and his wife, she had a great idea. She said, hey, I'm not having kids. Why don't you sleep with my maidservant and see if she'll give you a, a child? So Abraham thought about that for all of one second and said, okay. And so Abraham went out and then ended up with Ishmael. And God's like, no, 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 that's not what I ha actually was through you and your wife, Sarah. And he's like, okay. So then, then they got, then they ended up getting Isaac. Well, through Ishmael were the, the people that actually bought Joseph, who's in the pit. So Joseph gets sold to them, and they bring him into Potiphar's house. And then we see a glimpse of the prosperity and the redemptiveness of God. In today's message, my, my goal, I'm on a mission from the Holy Spirit, like, a, like just a heat-seeking missile to everyone in here. My mission is to show you what biblical prosperity looks like. Biblical prosperity. And I know even the word prosperity, when you hear that, especially from somebody that's got a microphone in church, sometimes that can make the, back of your, the neck, hair on the back of your neck stand up, right? You can kind of cringe at that thought. And, and I get that. And prosperity has been overused and over-emotionalized. And so we, we look at that and we're like, ugh, gosh, that's ugly, right? We've all seen the hyper-prosperity message and the hyper-prosperity preacher that's raising money for their jet or whatever it is, okay? We know that that's not correct doctrine, okay? That's not correct doctrine when you're talking about what biblical prosperity is. And really, biblical prosperity, in the essence of it, is I have more than enough to help those in need. So my needs are taken care of, and I have more than enough, and we're going to take a look. But some things happen when we take a look, when we mention the word prosperity in church, and we kind of cringe. The reason that we cringe is because we've seen some of those TV evangelists and some of the crazy things that have gone on and how people have mismanaged funds and what have you. And so because of the hyper-prosperity message, we've shied away from the biblical message of prosperity that's a promise from God. How many of you are parents in the room? Any parents in the room? You got any kids? Do you want your kids to be broke and just poverty-stricken all their lives? No. No parent does, right? And if you, <laughs> being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, right? How much, how much more does your Father in Heaven want to bless and prosper you if your soul's prospering? If the prosperity that He blesses you with is going to take you out of His will, then he's, He wants to withhold that from you. He wants you to get right, have a correct understanding. And so today, my mission, my assignment from the Holy Spirit is to show you godly, biblical, healthy prosperity according to the Word of God. So I'm going to let the Word of God speak, and we're going to pray right now. We're just going to ask God to speak to our hearts. So as I'm, what I mean by that is I'm talking, and I'm sharing, and we're reading some scriptures. In the middle of the sermon, you might just get a boop, just like there's a thought from God. And you just write that down in your text and notes, or if you got a, one of the church bulletins, you can write it in there. You just take some notes. What's God speaking to you? Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you'd give us wisdom 
today. Lord, you said if any man lacks wisdom to ask you and you give generously. So Lord, we're asking you today to give us wisdom. Lord, would you shine a light on your holy scriptures? God, would you shine a light, convict us in our hearts, God? I pray that we'd have eyes to see something that we never saw before. God, that we'd have ears to hear from heaven. I pray any other voices be canceled out. The only spirit that's welcome in this house is the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. So God, I thank you for touching minds and touching hearts today. Give us revelation that leads to life transformation in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, Genesis 39, are you with me? If you're not, we got a big Bible on the screen. You can catch up. All right. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. We'll come back to that. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So because of that, Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he, Potiphar, made him, Joseph, an overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under Joseph's authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he, being Potiphar, left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he didn't know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Another translation say he didn't have any concerns over anything going on in his world because he knew Joseph was taking care of it. So the, the, the title of this message that I, that I, I put down here, it's the, the third test in the vision. The first test was the pride test. The second test was the pit test. This is the stewardship test. And it's where we go from the pit to the palace. And any vision, any dream that God gives you, you're going to have a time of the testing of your pride. Are you humble? You're going to have a time of testing in the pit. Lord, is this really you? Is this really you? It's where your faith is tested before it's rewarded. And then you're going to have a stewardship test. In other words, can I trust you? Can I trust you with what I've given to you? You know, I, we, Fawn and I, we sometimes we'll, we'll get out, we'll do a date night, and it's really cool if we can get away for an overnight and, uh, and so we've had some trusted people in our lives that, that we trust to watch our kids. And, and, and when, when, we, when they watch our kids, there's, here's the keys to our car, here's, a, here's our credit card. If you have any incidentals that we didn't think of, if you need food, if you wanna take them out to In-N-Out because you don't feel like cooking, I'm that guy, right? What it, here's, here's just some things. If I'm trusting you with my kids, I already trust you with my car, <laughs> right? If I'm trusting you with my kids in my car, I already trust you with my, my credit card. My kids are my most important thing, right? The most important people in our world. There's a level of trust that God has with his people. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about there, you know, you're not saved by your works. You're saved by grace, right? Through faith, by grace, in Jesus alone, are you saved, okay? 
But there is an aspect now of the partnership with God where we begin to walk some of this out. So I'm gonna lay out what I believe to be four keys to biblical prosperity that we see in the life of Joseph. And I'm gonna jump around a little bit in the scriptures, but hold your, hold your place there in Genesis 39. So the presence of the Lord, the first key to biblical prosperity is walking in the presence of the Lord. The first key to biblical prosperity is walking in the presence of the Lord. Prosperity in the Hebrew, uh, it's mentioned 63 times in the Old Testament, the word prosperity. It's mentioned 63 times. And it literally means to push forward, to push forward. I'm gonna grab uh, Isaac from the congregation. Come on up, Isaac. Thank you for playing worship. So I wanna give you a picture real quick of what it looks like when, when it says in, that the Lord's prospering you, okay? It's, it's you're walking along and you're going at a little bit of a slow pace and the Lord's like, you got this, son. Okay, stop. You got this, son, not too far. And he's prospering you. He's got, I got you, son. I got you, son. And he's pushing you forward. I don't know if I can do that. He's like, I got you, son. God, I don't know if I'm supposed to be in the palace. I got you, son. Lord, how did I end up in this place? I got you, son. And it's literally, thank you, Isaac. Give it up for Isaac. It's literally the Lord's pushing you forward. That's in the Hebrew. That's really what it means is the Lord to push you forward. And there's a time when Samson goes and he defeats and he has this incredible victory. And the word for victory there is also translated prosperity where it's pushed, the Lord pushed him forward in his battle to do above and beyond what he could do. But the Lord's spirit and the anointing was on him and the Lord prospered him. Does that make sense? The Lord wants to prosper you. If you don't see the Lord as, as, as a God that wants to bless you, then you'll always live with this feeling that either the prosperity you experience is based on you and all of your endeavors, or you won't see it and you'll feel like, man, God must be mad at me because I'm not prospering, which isn't true. There's a prophetic partnership, but he begins having a good foundation. And I just know that there's certain people that they've never had that revelation. They've never had the thought that, man, God loves me and he wants to bless me. Like that, that's just mind-blowing for some people. They've never heard it. I've, I have some friends that grew up and their dad uh, was a callous man. He was not generous. When he, it was his money, him and his wife had separate bank accounts, bank, bank accounts. And so when dad made his money, he would give his wife a little bit to take care of the house and the kids. But his dad was not generous growing up. Well, what do you think his view of God is when he grows up and, and becomes a man and starts making money? He, he looks at his God doesn't want to bless me. So he struggled with this poverty mindset that was, well, I'm just gonna be poor, that's just the way it is. Or anything I make, it's all due to me. It's not due to God. God wants to bless you in such a way that people see your good works, they don't glorify you, they glorify him. God wants to bless his people. Let's go back to verse two, Genesis 39, verse two. It said, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. Verse three, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper. All that he did. I know people that have been walking with God for years, and they, they never saw that, that the Lord wanted to bless the work of their hands. And it was just, they found themselves in one financial pit after another. And the Lord's like, put down the shovel, son. I wanna partner with you. 
I want to change the way you think. If I, the Lord's like, if I can change the way you think, if I can change your understanding and your revelation and you catch it, then everything all around you begins to have, it's a ripple effect to different areas of your life. Take a look at this. I'm going to go to Genesis 26. In two verses, we're going to take a look at, in these two verses, just look at God's desire to bless and prosper his people. It says, then Isaac sowed in that land. Now, mind you, Isaac is sowing during the famine. There's a drought. Inflation's up. Interest rates are up. The stock market's down. Okay, it's that type of a year for Isaac, okay? Crypto's crazy. Isaac sowed in that land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. One hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Watch this. The man began to prosper he continued prospering until he became very prosperous, okay? So prosperity is not a bad word. It's actually God's word, okay? And if you can take hold of this in a healthy, right, biblical framework, when you put the word of God into action in your life, you'll begin to see results. Deuteronomy 29 verse 9 says, Therefore, keep the words of this covenant... So that's obedience, it's speaking to obedience. Keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may, what? Prosper in all that you do. So in other words, live in line with God's word and see what he does. Second Kings 18 verse seven, speaking of Hezekiah, it says the Lord was with him. Wherever he went out, he prospered. He prospered. It goes on to say that he rebelled against the king of Assyria. In other words, he wasn't going to follow the patterns of this world. The Lord prospered him. The Lord was with him. He was successful in all he did. Now, does this mean that you're never going to have challenges? No, all right? This isn't like, you know, you, 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 it's like, you know, you're never going to have any storms in life. No, Jesus said you're going to have trials, that there's going to be stuff that comes. But when you have the right perspective, Jesus will be with you through that storm. And he is faithful. God is a faithful God. But if he can trust you with more, I mean, if, if God blessed you right now and the first thing you think of, well, if I had this, I would do this, ba 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 ba. does that change your world? Does that change the world? The purpose of prosperity is that you would have more than enough to be a blessing to those around you in your sphere. My wife and I, uh, when we, uh, this is about 10 years ago, we were uh, honored our pastors had sent us out to Ventura, California from Seattle, Washington, hallelujah, went from the rain to the sunshine and the coast there in Ventura, and uh, we would go, and we didn't have a lot of money. Um, truth be told, we were like, you know, we'd have to make money to be broke, okay? Like, we were, we were the family that, like, I'm like, I would really like to have a coffee from Starbucks, you know, and my wife's like, no, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> that three bucks we can put towards something for the kids, you know? And, and we were scrounging to make ends meet. But you know what? We always had more than enough. At the end of the month, we always had more than enough. Did we still tithe? Absolutely. We honored the Lord. We still tithed. And it, would, it was amazing how people would bless us. And so when, you, when you just do the simple things and honoring the Lord, the Lord is so faithful, the Lord is so faithful. And so we had this goal. We said, you know what? God, would you bless us with some extra finances? Because we, we, we would like to leave a, a, a $100 bill in an envelope and just surprise somebody at church that we know needs it. And I'm like, 
looking back on it, I mean, I think people, if they knew our situation, they would have probably been like, dude, keep the $100, you know? But we felt like that was something in our hearts to do, and, and we asked the Lord, we made a deal with God, ever make a deal with God? Said, God, if you prosper and bless me, then, we, you know, we'll do this type of a deal. And so, you know, we, we, here we are, and, and, and we, we didn't have $100 at first, it was just the $20 bill. And we were like, man, that was a lot of money to us. You know, when you got five mouths to feed, you know, it's like people say, man, you know, you have a lot of kids, is, you know, if you can't feed them, don't breed them. Well, it just happened, man. It just happened. People said, do you, do you, do you like kids? And I said, I, I do, but I really like my wife. That's why we got five kids. And so we started that. And so we would just find, you know, somebody, and, and I, I would usually tell the ushers at church, I'd say, hey, don't tell anybody who gave this to you, but just give this envelope to that person over there. And they go, okay, okay, Pastor Jeff. And they'd go and do that. And, and it was just amazing. God grew that from 20 to 100 to a few hundred. I mean, and so it was just, it almost became a fun game for us when we'd go to church and just look to slip, slip, slip a little blessing to somebody, you know. But God, if you're just, you know, if, if you have on your heart that the prosperity and the blessing in your life is going to be used to be a blessing to others, God begins to breathe on that. So the Lord was with Hezekiah. Third John 2, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Here's the key, just as your soul prospers. Would it be okay if God pushed you forward in your finances? Would it be okay if God pushed you forward in your marriage? Would it be okay if God pushed you forward, prospered you in your family, in your relationships? Would it be okay if God would push you forward? I believe he wants to push us forward today. Amen? So the key to biblical prosperity is the presence of the Lord. And even the unbeliever, Potiphar, recognized there's something special on this Hebrew kid. There's something special on this guy. So he recognizes the Lord's favors on his life. Here's a good question, one that I would ask when I was working for somebody else. Is my employer blessed because I'm here? or in spite of me being here? <laughs> Do they see the blessing of God on your life? Fawn and I, when we were uh, early on in our marriage, we had the opportunity to work together, and it was so fun. We're newlyweds, so we'd wake up in the morning, we'd go to the gym and work out in the morning, we'd come home, get ready in the morning, we'd drive to work in the morning, we just hung out, we'd go to, sometimes we'd go to, to coffee, or go to lunch together, we'd drive home together, and we loved it, I loved it. I didn't get married to be apart, I loved, I just wanted to be around her, and she thankfully wanted to be around me, and so, uh, but Fawn, we were working together, she was my receptionist at the office, there was multiple companies, and she was the main reception for like four or five companies. And so we would be able to do this, and uh, we, were, we were working for a gentleman that uh, did not know God. In fact, he kind of was angry at God uh, for a lot of things. And he, was, he, was, he would be the guy that would kind of fly off the handle really quick and yell and scream and cuss. Anybody ever work for somebody like that? Hopefully no volunteers and staff of Authentic Church can say that. But we worked for a guy like that. And, and he would go off. But when he would need to hire somebody, he would go to Fawn and say, Hey, Fawn. I want you to find some people from your church. You know the real Christians, not those other, but the real Christians like you guys. Can you go find some of those Christians and see if they want to work here? Because he saw that there was favor on her life. She has showed up early. She stayed late. She took care of things so that he didn't have to, kind of like what Joseph did for Potiphar. When you have that mentality, your employer will be blessed 
And even if you're not blessed through it, you're blessed through it. You know what I mean? Even if you don't see the immediate change in your salary, <laughs> you're, you, you will. Sometimes the training ground, you, you, we get a little bit tired in it, but the training ground is the preparation ground for where God's gonna take you. There's different jobs that you may be walking in right now where you're like, man, I can't stand that job. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. There's a thousand people that would give their right arm to have that job. And out, out of seven billion plus people that live in this world, most of them would trade places with you in a heartbeat because you live in this great nation. So be thankful for what you got. Be diligent where you're at and see what God does. Genesis 39.4, Potiphar made Joseph the overseer of his house and all that he had. The overseer, that word overseer is important. The Hebrew word for overseer is translated in the Septuagint the same as the Greek word that's used in 1 Timothy and Titus that refers to an overseer of the church, which is an elder. So Potiphar literally made Joseph an elder in his house. And you know, God can use people that don't know him and people that hate him. God used a, a, a governor to call a census and tax the people just to have the Messiah be born in Bethlehem. God used an unbelieving person in government to bring about his plan of Jesus. That's a good thought. <laughs> That's a good thought. Going back to the story of Fawn and I working for this guy, so we're working together. Fawn is pregnant, and she's about ready to have Brighton, our daughter that's 16 years old. And, uh, and at that time, we had just under $9,000 in debt and just some really uh, unwise decisions that I made um, as the leader of my family and uh, in the pit that I found myself in financially. And so we, we, we were trying to pay down the debt, and it went from 20 down to 15 down to 10, and now it, it was kind of bubbling right around the, the 8 to 9 mark. And I think it was like right around 8,800 bucks is what we had left on this credit card. And we were praying that by the time our daughter would be born, that it would be completely paid off. We didn't have any big bonuses coming in. We prayed for bonuses. We prayed for checks in the mails, rebates, crazy insurance stuff. Lord, just, you know, insurance, inheritances. Lord, whatever it is. God, we just thank you. We're praying for a financial increase, right? And so we're praying and believing that. And that was one of the goals we wrote down that year that we wanted to be debt-free by October when our daughter was born. Okay, here we are working for this unbelieving guy. And on last day of Fawn's work, before she was gonna take maternity leave, this dude walks up and throws an envelope on my desk. And he kind of smirks and he says, that's for your baby. I said, oh, thanks, man. I'm like, I don't know what this is. I open up the check, or open up the, the envelope and there was a check in there. And it was for $10,000. So we tithed off of that. What's 10% of 10,000? 1,000. So then we had 9,000, and we were able to pay off. You see, I'm just telling you. There's no way. And you, there's stories all through this. I mean, I'm just sharing a few stories from my, there's stories all through here that you guys have of what God did and showed up and we got this wedding, got booked and we got this job and that opportunity and then this led to, there's stories all through here of, of things like that where God just shows up. That's biblical prosperity, the more than enough. God wants to prosper his people. So the key 
to prosperity is having the presence of the Lord. And you may say, well, how do I have the presence of the Lord in my life? I want more of the presence of God. Authentic church, we say we're a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church. How do I have the presence of the Lord in my life? Very simply, obedience. You have the presence of God in your life. The key to keeping the presence of God in your life is by living in obedience to God and his word. 1 Samuel 18, verse 14, it says, David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Now, did David have some screw-ups? Yeah. (laughs) And we get to read about his. We don't get to read about yours, but we get to read about David's. David had such a screw-up time that one time he slept around with a woman who was married, got her pregnant, and the guy that was the husband of the woman was one of his his frontline warriors. So David's like, oh my goodness, she's pregnant. What am I going to do? Sends the guy to the front line and tells everybody, when you go into battle, pull back and leave him out front. And that's what they did. And then he was killed. And then David gets called out on it, and he's sick in his sin. It just ate him up. But he repented, and he got right with God. God is so merciful. If you've blown it, if you've blown it financially and you've made dumb decisions, if you've bought stuff on your credit card based in emotions or you got that car and you're like, yeah, this is the greatest car ever. And two years later, you're like, I can barely make my car payment. You know, when you repent and ask God for forgiveness, he is so merciful and kind. He'll forgive you. If you need wisdom in your finances, he's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give it to you, but you just can't sit and pray about it. You got to do something with it. And that's where obedience comes into play. So David behaved wisely, and the Lord was with him. In 2 Chronicles 17, 3, now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked, obedience, in the former ways of his father David. 1 Samuel 18, 12, Saul was afraid of David. Why? Because the Lord was with David. But the Lord departed from Saul. Question, Why was the Lord with David? Obedience. Why did the Lord depart from Saul? Disobedience. Simple, right? The presence of God rests on those who honor the Lord through obedience. There's a blessing. When you commit to living your life based on the principles and the word of God, there's a blessing that comes on it, man. It's just, just, that's, that's who God is but he's not gonna be mocked. And you might, if you've been living in disobedience in some areas, God's merciful, kind, he's gracious, he'll cover that if you'll come to him and repent, just like we talked about with David. And you come back to him. Now I'm not talking, again, this is not a works-based doctrine. Please hear me. This is not works-based, okay? You're only saved through faith, by the grace of Jesus, you are saved, that's it. But if you're gonna see success on this earth, You're going to have to live obedient to the word of God because what used to be okay wasn't okay anymore. Some people in the world, it's like you ever have that moment where you look at somebody that's so prosperous and they're like, man, they're like the biggest sinner and they're a cheater and they're doing all this stuff, but it's like they just walk into business and it's just like, boom, they make money, right? And you're just like, man, Lord, why? You can't do what they do because you know what you know. And so now because of what you know, you have to live in obedience. For them, it's par for the course, They don't know. There's an aspect where they think they know, but they don't really know. They haven't really received a teaching. They don't really understand that. And even the ones who have, that get away with it, they get away with it for a season. 
And the Lord is so gracious and kind with them, just like he was gracious and kind with you. And the Holy Spirit's whispering in there, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. Don't do it. You know, as a Christian, you have to crawl over the Holy Spirit to get to your sin. <laughs> you do. That's part of the Holy Spirit. If, if he had a job description, like here's my resume, this is what I've done, right? One of his, one of his uh, attributes is to help bring correction to you and convict you. Here's how you know it's the Holy Spirit talking and not the voice of the devil. The Holy Spirit, he brings conviction. The devil brings condemnation. The Holy Spirit speaks in specifics. You spent $283 at H&M, why? You can barely pay your bills, right? The devil just speaks in generalities. You're a loser. You're not wise with money. That's, that's how the devil speaks. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction in an area, why? Because God loves you so much that he wants to speak to you to bring correction as a loving father in a time and a place when you can receive it so that he can get you on the right path, so that he can bless you. Because if he can bless you and trust you, he knows that other people in your world will be blessed. And he gets all the glory and you, your life changes. Deuteronomy 11, 26 through 28. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside to the way, or turn aside from the way which I commanded you today to go after other gods. So what's the Lord saying? There's a choice. You get the choice. You get the choice. You can either walk in my blessing or you can walk without my blessing. I would rather walk with the blessing of God. It's not God's desire to curse you. We, we were born into a curse. We bring the curse on ourselves when we act foolishly, right? It's like my, my desire is to bless my kids, but I'm not gonna bless them if I know my blessing's gonna keep them winding up in, in bad circumstances and situations. Why would I bless them? I need to bring correction to them, get them healthy and strong, and then I can reward them. Then I can bless them. Job 36, verse 11 through 12, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. Proverbs 28, verse 13, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. If we've been unwise in stewarding what God's given us, if you've been maybe not the best employee, just repent today and Monday is a new day and you're gonna be the best employee there. Christian employees, man, we should have the greatest testimony. When somebody finds out, man, why are you such a hard worker? How, how are you so joyful? My goodness, I hear about testimonies from different people in the church and how the Lord's prospering and blessing them and they start out at this job and it's like they're there for just a few weeks and then the Lord prospers them and gives them a promotion and, and it's just, it's incredible because their attitude, they're on time, they're diligent, they're kind. Kindness is so, <laughs> so underrated, <laughs> so underpaid. If you just show up with a good attitude, Man, you could pretty much run the place, okay? <laughs> good people are hard to find. Good employees are hard to find. 
but not in this house. I'm praying God's, God's gonna mold you in, and as you come and bring your best to him and as you serve your employers, is, it's not you're serving them, you're working as unto the Lord, right? So James 1.22 talks, reminds us about living in obedience. It says, hey, don't just listen to God's word. You gotta do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You think you're getting away with it, <laughs> but you're not. David got away with some stuff, but then he didn't. He got called out on the carpet. And you think nobody sees, but God does see. So again, the key to biblical prosperity is number one, is being in the presence of the Lord. The key to being in the presence of the Lord is living in obedience. So what's, what's the key to obedience? How do you walk in obedience? You're like, Jeff, this is great. I, I want to obey, but man, I feel so, I pulled so many directions. I, I, I want to obey, and you feel like Paul, where it's like, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I do want to do. You know, oh, what a wretched man am I, right? So what's the key to walking in obedience? Faith. The key to walking obedience is faith. You know, many of us today, it's going to be whatever, 80, 85 degrees. I love living in Southern California, by the way. I'm like, bring on the heat. Like, bring on the heat, baby. I love it. And you're gonna get in your car when you leave here today, and if you're blessed enough to have air conditioning, you're probably gonna crank that sucker up. And some of us have more faith in the air conditioning, changing the environment of our car, than we do in God. It is blessing for your life. You turn it on and you wait, then you wait, and you wait, and you, oh, I need to drive. Okay, so you get some, get going, get the air flowing, and oh, okay, now I'm finally cooling down, and you're like sweating it off, and you're, you know. Some of us have more faith in that, but can I tell you, when you turn on obedience in your life, it'll change the environment of your life way better than your air conditioning changes the environment of your car living a life of obedience. So we do that through faith. So what does it mean to walk in faith? Well, for our kids, you know, we have five and we were having a bunch of them. It's, it felt like, you know, when you got five kids and they were all pretty young except for our oldest daughter, I was a, uh, some of you know my story, but I was a single dad um, when I met my wife. And so she married into, you know, insta mom. And so she uh, married into having a daughter and, and, and my daughter loves her and they've had a great relationship. And then uh, Fawn and I, we were on a five-year plan. We got derailed at three because everybody was getting pregnant. So I'm like, okay, let's get pregnant. And so, so uh, I said yes, you know, did my husbandly duties, and we ended up having a kid, you know. I'm just a servant. <laughs> so we started having kids. Well, then it was like, you know, we got one in diapers and then it's surprise there's another one in the way and then we have that one now we got two in diapers and one on the way and it's just like you know now we got three and one's just coming out of diapers these two are in diapers this one's throwing food at the table this one's screaming this one's fighting for this and it's just like man it was like living with a bunch of drunk people <laughs> and we would put them in their rooms and we'd be like, can you guys just please just go to bed, please, please? You're like, just, it was like, you know, like the reverse hostage situation. Like, I will give you a helicopter to Cuba, whatever you want. Just stay in your room, you know? 
Please, mom and dad just need a moment. You know? So we have all these kids, and one of the first things that we taught our kids was the word no. And we would reinforce it. We'd flick their hand when they were babies. I know, some of you are like, you did what? I know. It's in the Bible, Proverbs, spanking, you know. Obedience is connected to the rear end of a toddler. And so we'd start with flicking the hand, and then when they got older, then they would get a little swift spank. And it wasn't out of anger, by the way. If you, it is sin for you to spank out of anger, parents, all right? So we don't spank out of anger. You're controlled, control your controls. But there's some, it was amazing how obedience came after a good, nice bump to the bottom, to the rear end. And then there was peace in our house again as they realized that's wrong, <laughs> you know? And so we disciplined them for disobedience, but we blessed them for the, their obedience. I believe, I believe that. Yes, we should discipline our kids for disobedience, a thousand percent. There should be consequences, but there should also be rewards. And some people just look at God because of the way they were raised, and they think, God's just ready with a lightning bolt from heaven to strike me down because I did this again, right? And that's not the case. And then they forget that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, that there's blessings, that there's, yeah, there's consequences of sin, you bet, but there's blessings and rewards for living in accordance with God's word. So we taught our kids, one of the first scriptures we taught them, and I got a couple of my kids sitting in the front row, was Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. <laughs> Disobeying wrong, obedience right, right? So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Don't forget the promise. Why? That it may be well with you, and you may live a long life on earth. <laughs> if it ain't going well with you, I don't know how long you want to live in that house, right? You know? Why? That it may be well with you, that you'll live a long life. A lot of people say, well, why do you need to obey your parents so that I'll live a long life? Yeah, yeah, that's good too, but that it will go well with you, that you'll be blessed, that there's blessing when we, when we honor our mom and dad. There's blessing when we honor our parents. So we would reward our kids for the good behavior. Yes, there was consequences for the bad behavior. Colossians 3, 22 through 25, verse 22 says, bond servants... Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward. So there's rewards from God. There's rewards for living in accordance with God's word. Hebrews chapter three, this is a scripture speaking about the children of Israel and the promised land. Hebrews chapter three says in verse 18, and to whom he, did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. It was attached to their faith. So faith, I have faith that there's a consequence if I sin. So I'm gonna make a right choice. I have faith that there's a blessing from living according to God's word because of that obedience. So faith, sound doctrine, produces obedience. So again, quick recap, the key to biblical prosperity is the presence of the Lord. The key to the presence of the Lord is simply obedience, living obedient. 
The key to walking in obedience is faith. So what's the key to faith? I'm glad you asked. The key to faith is hearing the Word of God. Hearing the Word of God. Some people might think, well, I thought the key, the key to faith was in doing. No, no, no. The key to faith is hearing the Word of God. It says it in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. Hearing and hearing and hearing. So how, how, how do you get more faith? You dive into the Word of God. Listen to as many sermons as you can. Podcasts from Bible teachers. Not like, here's a three-point message on how to live better. No, no, no. I'm talking like people that teach the Word of God, right? Like, get into the Word of God. Hear the Word of God. Of, of God. Listen to the Word of God. Write out scriptures. Attach scriptures. You're going through something in your life, you do a word study on overcoming in that area. If it's being a wise steward, do a word study on stewardship and see what God says in his word about being a good steward of our time, talents, and resources. Write those scriptures out. Type them out. Tape them up in your mirror, put them in your car where you can see them, recite them, meditate on them, speak them, listen to the word of God, watch sermons. I mean, eat it, get it in your system. If, if you keep doing the same thing, you're not gonna see any different results, right? That's the definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. Insane in the membrane, right? We're not those people, right? So study the word of God, man, get it in you. I, I don't just read the word of God and like check, I read Genesis 39 today. Yippee. No, I want to engage and encounter God. And he wants to engage and encounter you. In Christianity, you kind of have like, there's kind of two varying degrees of people. There's the people that are the super hyper spiritual and experiential, where everything's an experience, man. And then you got the other side where it's like, yes, but the word of God says, you know, and you got these people, right? We need both. But a healthy person reads, studies, tests themselves approved, knows the word of God, can teach and instruct others in the word of God. That's a healthy, living, leading Christian, right? But we're also encountering God. We're experiencing him, letting him come and encounter us. And, and he wants to show his love and his grace and his mercy and revelation and wisdom and word of knowledge and healing. And that's where the gifts of the spirit come into play. So the key to prosperity is God's presence. Having God's presence in our lives comes from obedience. Obedience comes through faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. I'm gonna have the worship team join us up front as we end here. So maybe you're here and you're listening to this, you're like, man, this is great. <laughs> and you're like, man, I feel so convicted in certain areas of my life. That's okay. It's actually a good thing if you get the conviction from the Holy Spirit. If you're feeling condemnation, that's not the Holy Spirit. Conviction is the Holy Spirit. So if there's something that God's speaking to you about, well, what do you do with that? Joel chapter two, I love this scripture. Joel two says, just return to the Lord. Just return to God. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's slow to get angry. He's filled with unfailing love. Just return to him. Just ask for forgiveness. God, I repent of being unwise in my finances. God, I, I, I renounce a poverty mindset. I've met millionaires that have poverty mindset. It's a mindset. They don't see the God of abundance. They don't see the God of blessing. They don't see the God that wants to prosper you. Healthy, biblical prosperity. 
He says, when you do that, then in verse 25, he says, if you do that, I'm gonna give you back what you lost. The Lord is so good. So as we close today, let's just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me today, God? Show me your ways, God, that I may walk in them. God, we return to you. We return to you. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know, this is amazing, this is great, but I don't really have a relationship even with God. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. This is gonna be the greatest prayer you ever prayed. It's gonna be a prayer of salvation. There's a real God. He really sent his son Jesus to this earth. Jesus really lived. He really died on a cross and he really rose again. And he's praying and interceding for you and I right now. And maybe in this moment, you're feeling like the tug on your heart. You're like, man, I just need to get right with God. I need to return to the Lord, the merciful, compassionate, kind, God, I need to return to him. And if that's you, I'm just gonna lead us all in a prayer. And we're all gonna pray this together. But after we're done praying it, I would like to personally meet you if you prayed this prayer for your first time today or if you're coming back to God. And I would just like to share some things that might help you in your next few, few steps in your journey with him. So let's just pray this together as a church family. Why don't we all stand? Lord Jesus, we just come before you right now. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of any sins. Forgive me of any mindsets. I want to have a relationship with you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to hear you. Will you speak to me in your word? Speak to me. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. That you lived, died, and rose again for the forgiveness of my sins. So I thank you for taking my sin giving me your righteousness. Thank you for taking sickness and giving me health. Thank you for your hand upon my life. And I commit this day, I will walk in your ways all the days of my life. I commit to serving you with all that I am, that I may dwell in your house forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer today and you, don't, you hadn't had a relationship with Jesus beforehand, if you prayed that prayer today from, from your heart, like you really, really mean it, 
I'm telling you, your life is never going to be the same. This is the greatest day of your life. And I want to meet you. I want to pray with you. We're going to have some time, some prayer time as the, as the team closes out with this song. If you just accepted Christ, I want you to come forward. If you need prayer for anything today, we want to open up the front to pray with you. If you need to see breakthrough in your finances, I know there's a couple business guys that I'm connected with here, and we're going to be fasting and praying Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week. If you will need to see breakthrough in your business, in your finances, I want to pray with you. I want to believe that God's going to come through. If you felt like, man, you know what, Jeff, when you were talking about a poverty mindset, I've had that, and I want that poverty mindset broken off of my life, come forward and let's pray together and let's see the hand of God. Let's see the prosperity, biblical prosperity of God in your life. Go ahead and come forward and we'd be honored to pray with you. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.